Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today we are talking with Tom Glazer. Tom is a licensed psychologist and life coach with over 35 years experience. He's also the best-selling author and yoga instructor. His book is called Full Heart Living, Conversations with the Happiest People I Know, and it is an Amazon bestseller. Through his counseling, writing, teaching, and his passion for helping people, he is truly here to help people to live their best lives through and through. And as we dove into this podcast, we talked about trauma to triumph and what that looked like. He described so well the definitions, the meaning, what trauma is. And there we're in this time of trauma comparison and so much of, but I haven't lived through what they did. And trauma is truly what we experience individually. And it has the meaning that we are holding on to. We talked about what triumph means and how to search for triumph every day, what full heart living is, how to embrace it, how to be vulnerable and how to build connections and relationships and how all of our past stories lead us to where we are now and who we are now. And we really dove into the gift of trauma, how we need to stand up for ourselves first, feel what we need to feel before we can see the situation differently. We all want to shift perspective and see it from a different light, see the story from a different light in order to move forward, maybe have compassion or empathy for the people who have hurt us. And But we can't do that until we allow ourselves to feel what we have experienced. This is this can be the gift of trauma. And as we dove into this, this is such a beautiful conversation, very raw, real, and vulnerable, just like you'd expect to hear on this show. But he really put me on the spot and I love being on the spot. That's how we grow. So he used his conversation cards and asked me a question, hot seat, right in the spot. I had two minutes to answer it. And then he had two minutes to give me some feedback. What a great way to build connection. We did this very early on in the podcast, and that allowed us to build rapport and connection so that we could actually dive into this conversation. The Gift of Trauma, very powerful episode. Welcome to the show today, Tom. It's so nice to meet you. You too, Marsha. I really appreciate this opportunity. Thanks. Oh, absolutely. I'm thrilled. I am intrigued of where this conversation is going to go. So let's, before we start, tell everyone where you are from. Well, I'm based in Minneapolis, although I'm doing this recording in Southern California. I spend as much time as I can in the desert, uh, particularly in the winter. So why not? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm in Ontario, so I understand. I can why yeah. not? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Awesome. We're going to talk a little bit about you and your story. Can you share something with my audience that maybe people don't know about you? Something that is is unique, something that is you. 
Oh man, what do people not know about me? That gets harder and harder. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, uh, what's coming to me is uh, what an animal lover I am. Uh, that, that's not, people do know that to some degree, but I, I learned I am not nearly as happy when I'm not surrounded by that animal energy. And so I, I pretty much need a dog. Okay. I love that. I'm a big dog person. So yeah, like, yes, huge dog person. And is she just, her energy is just, it it just feeds me on a daily basis. So I can relate to that. The companionship and that Mm -hmm. steadiness. Yeah. Oh man. Nothing like it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So when you um, filled out your form to come to be a guest on the show, one of the things that I loved was even your website name, your book, and it's full heart living. It reminds me of, you know, Brene Brown talking about like wholehearted living and how that is really where we connect. We build our connections with each other, the vulnerability piece, all of those things, but people like we're so afraid to do that. So many people are so afraid to do this. So full heart living, tell me what is full heart living? So it was not my initial working title for the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I was going to have happiness in the, in the, 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 you know, there's a, a title and then there's a subtitle. So happiness is in, in the subtitle. The full title is full heart living conversations with the happiest people I know. But I realized pretty quickly in going through what I was hearing from the people I interviewed that happiness is not kind of just a, a one state. And it's not like that Pollyanna-ish kind of, I'm going to ignore all the negatives. Happier people embrace everything. And this is part of, I think, what Brene Brown says. But let me say it this way first, because this way I think is easier to understand. And I see this in my work as a psychologist all the time. Less happy people work really hard on like suppressing negative. What we And even that, I don't love that term, but just for shorthand, I use it. What some of us think as negative emotions or experiences like grief or sadness. Uh, happier people like try to push those away or even anxiety, happy, less happy people try to stuff and avoid them. And when we do that, and I understand that again, I'm not judging. I really get it. Who wants to have these unpleasant experiences? I get it. That said, if we suppress those, we also end up, we don't mean to, but we also suppress joy and happiness and good times. It's just what we do. And so then everything is flat and gray. Uh, Conversely, happier people embrace. Again, it's not that they love it and they want to be depressed or down or sad or grieving, but they know it's an inevitable part of life. So they live with their whole heart. So there's more to that title, which maybe we'll come to later, but that's where it started from, that happier people allow themselves to have days that aren't so great. And... They know that's what's happening. And they also know it's going to pass. Mm. Less happy people don't know that as much. They don't trust. That is so, what you've just said there is so powerful because that is, I, I was actually just having this conversation with a family member and mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know the exact quote, but it was like, don't let the highs be too high. Don't let the lows be too low. Don't make the low days mean that you are something is like, 
that that you're the only person that's in this space because we all it's a it's a wave and sometimes we're all riding yes. those waves but it doesn't mean exactly. you're doing something wrong it doesn't nope. mean that it's and I, and I love that explanation um something you don't know about me if I could share when yes. I years ago when I was kind of in my own battle um a counselor asked me like where are you experiencing joy and I'm like joy are you out of your mind there's like mm-hmm. nothing going right in my life right and right. I remember it almost being triggered when she said joy. Yes. And as we started to unpack it, mm-hmm. that was when I came in, in contact with Brene Brown's work, but it was this case of you, you can't selectively block emotions. And mm-hmm. when you block, when you block all, and that was such an eye opener for me because then it's sometimes it's like, okay, let's feel, what do I need to feel right now? I don't need to make it mean anything but I can feel it, but not feeling it and pushing it down. It's just that pot that boils and eventually I'm going to feel it, but it could be years later if we're just avoiding all of the feeling. It's going to come out somewhere sometime. Yes. Oh, awesome. So I really want to dive into, I know you're going to put me in the spot. I just want to ask you, so you are a licensed psychologist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And how many years have you been doing that now? My whole career, gosh, okay. I can't, I, I'm not great at math since 1986. Oh, <laughs> and before so that, have... in a way, because I was in grad school practicing. <laughs> wow, I love this. I love this. So you have dedicated, this has been your life's work. This is your life's work. Yeah. And your book was how long ago? What, did you publish a book? Oh, gosh, six years or so ago. Mm-hmm. Six years ago. So you have the book and you have the cards. Yes. Cards that go with it. Yes. Okay. So for the listeners, yeah. can you explain what you're going to do right now? You are going yes. to, you, I'm going to actually give the mic over to you and you tell us what we're going to do. Thank you. And let's acknowledge that you are taking a risk here. Again, that's Brene Brown's work, right? That's yeah. being vulnerable. I'm taking a risk too. Neither of us knows what's going to happen. I here. love this. <laughs> this is a real true immediate experience that we're going to have together. And this mm-hmm. came from my public speaking about my book, I was hoping to inspire people to connect more with other people and themselves and their passions. Cause that's the, there's so much I learned and we may go into more of it later, but those are the three key things that I learned that happier people do. They connect with others themselves and their passions. And so I, of course, if I'm going to go talk about my book, I want to inspire people to do those things. And so initially I was doing a more standard um, book talk, reading from the book, explaining it, talking about where it came from and all that. And I would end the talk saying, I hope you've been inspired to connect more with people and imagine what they would do. They would stare at me, nothing. They, yes, nothing. deer in the headlight. That's what they would do. They didn't know how to do it. So super quickly, I'm like, oh, I got to either remind people or teach them how to do this. So I very quickly altered my public speaking gigs to include an experience where I lead people through a powerful way to connect, you know, emerged into this deck of cards of conversation starters. Mm -hmm. So here's how it works. And all these, all the directions are in, this is full heart living conversation sparks. So um, I'm going to give you a prompt. You don't know what the prompt is. You're going, you're, I'll, I'll grab my. uh, Anybody listening? I have no idea what the prompt is. I'm like completely (laughs) going in blind here and I love it. Like, this is a great experience. So I'm going to give you two minutes. I'll set my timer and you will just respond to this prompt from the heart. And I'm just going to listen. I'm really going to listen openly, particularly for two things. 
themes and values. So what I'm going to, then after the two minutes, I'll have about two minutes to report back on what I have heard as your theme or themes and or value or values. And then we'll, then we'll check in with each other about how connected did you feel with yourself and with me through right, the experience. That's I'm what ready. we're doing. Okay. Marsha, talk about a time you felt really alive and why. A time you felt alive and why. Great question. I'm going to go and I'm going to follow my gut and I'm going to follow my gut. And I, in October of 2019, before the world technically, you know, ended, we were in, I ended pause. You know what I mean? We were, I was at a, my last live event. And I think if I would have known that was my last one, I would have appreciated it even more at that time. And I was speaking and sharing a concept with the audience. And I, I mean, I grew up actually being an advocate, using my voice, sharing my story more than I ever realized. And I remember at 10, I was the backtrack for a second. I was in a space where I was at a public speaking contest and my parents tried to talk me out of it. They're like, you don't, don't do that. I'm like, no, I wanted to. And so I, there's in some ways I've always liked being and sharing in that space. So I remember sharing parts of my story, parts of myself, parts that I had not planned on and connecting with people in the audience in such a beautiful way. And I talked about how we carry this armor armor to protect ourselves constantly. And the armor eventually gets heavy and we end up isolating ourselves in our lives. And in doing so, sometimes we have to put the armor down in order to find our army. And that's how I describe our army. I found my army when I decided to stop protecting myself from whatever you want to call it. And I remember at the end of that talk, I felt so alive because I knew I had connected and hit a message with some people. And so many people came up and said, I just wish, like, I don't know how to connect with people. And I'm so, I don't know how to have those relationships or I look and you have them and I don't know how to get there. And I'm like, you have to walk through the uncomfortable first. You have to walk through the uncomfortable first and then you can reach that space. So I feel really alive when I can share openly and vulnerably and help others to see that they can have a different experience in their life too. No idea if that was two minutes. A hair over is fine, but the, the timer just went off. You know, okay, perfect. Was, oh my gosh. Um, what? Marsha, first, I just want to say I have chills just listening to you. It's almost like I was there. Oh, I got to set the timer for myself two minutes. <laughs> I'm, I'm reflecting back now based on what I heard as your themes and values. To me, oh, there's so many. There's This is so rich in just a little over two minutes. Um, there's something about polar kind of the opposites embracing. So I dropped my armor to find my army. That was one thing that really came to me. Uh, something about uh, truth resonating. You spoke your truth and you saw, you felt it. And then, and then I think while you were like on stage, if you will, mm-hmm. and later that was reinforced, you got this feedback oh my gosh, that was so powerful. And you made a difference in people's lives. You woke them up to to these very themes that I found in my work 
too, about the importance of connection. You, you connected with audience members and they were saying, I want what you have. I need to know how to, how to uh, connect more deeply. You'd very much talked about embracing vulnerability very much, even though your own parents at age 10 tried to discourage you. They were anxious. They were scared for you. They wanted to protect you. They were like, don't put yourself out there like that. We don't want to see you in pain because mm-hmm. public speaking is a risk mm-hmm. at any age, at any age. Some of us love it more than others. <laughs> I know. I don't know why, but it's, I do remember them saying, no, 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 you shouldn't. And it was like, but I, I want to. You I knew. And you paid attention to the inner voice mm-hmm. and you, that you, so you did that. You had an army there too, right? You, you said, no, mom and dad, you're wrong. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Maybe not like verbally, that. literally, but your action, you stayed with your own authenticity and said, no, this is a calling. This is what I need to do. I am at two minutes. I want to see if I missed anything. I took some quick notes. Cause I just, I always want to capture as much as I can. Then I have to read my own writing, which is nice. <laughs> if it looks anything like my sheet when I'm podcasting, I'm like, I don't know what that says. <laughs> Openness. That's the other thing. That's the other thing that I don't think I really highlighted. Being open. That's super important to you. Being like, like honesty, truthfulness. These are values and themes. Um, you know, there's a power in that mm-hmm. for connecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I actually, I love this. I'm, I tend to, I was just at an event yesterday afternoon with some women who I've spent like a year on zoom with. We've never actually met in person. Yeah. And the one girl said, you like to go deep in the conversation. I'm like, yeah, I'm not too much surface. I like to like connect, like, let's just chat. And I just like that. I think that it's, I don't know, that's just me and that's fine. That's all good. Right. It's not, not for everybody, but I also, I've said it on here before, and I just want to share it that every time you might feel scary to be vulnerable or to be open, I will stop and say, who is in my life today that was not here before I chose to be vulnerable. And it's like literally everyone, (laughs) literally everyone. And so that's my reminder that it can be scary, especially when you come from a space of being isolated, but when you're coming from a space of being isolated, what else do you have to lose? Like I, I had nothing else to lose anymore because it was just, I was in my own bubble that wasn't working. And so from that space, it becomes this reaffirming that beautiful things can come from mm-hmm. connection, from showing up, from having those conversations. Uh, can I say, first of all, I am reminded of the so many stories of coming out when you just said that, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and even my own experience of us coming out, I kind of call myself queer now because that's the, the broadest term. <laughs> but I came out at the time that wasn't much of an option as gay. And um, same thing. It's like, I'm tired of living my life, like making all these decisions based on fear. Yeah. Forget it. Let's, I'm just going to be myself and then let the pieces fall as they may. And yeah, some people maybe fell away. Okay. 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 And yeah, like you said, my life would be so much less risk, uh, rich. And I, God, that's so powerful. I had never quite thought about it that way. Same thing. Who would be in my life now if I hadn't done that 30 years ago or whenever it was more than that? Yeah. Wow. It's a that's reflection cool. point. And I just, it's a reflection that I, I literally, I check myself when it's like, I'm going to share something 
more. I'm going to share a piece of myself. I'm afraid of doing something. It's like, okay, wait, who is in my life now? And sometimes I'll even go, who was in my life now that I didn't even know six months ago. I didn't even know 12 months ago. And then it's just, oh, yep. Yep. There's the proof. There's the proof. It's just that proof that's there. Yes. Okay. Recent example from my own life of that is taking up pickleball, not being great at it, but I'm having some fun. I'm trying to learn. I have met the greatest people just in the past month or so through taking the risk of playing pickleball. And it was a risk. You show up on the court. Can I do this game? You know, I'm almost 60 years old. Can I learn a new game at this age? And already my life is so much richer. I I can list like seven, eight people that I've met through pickleball and they're dear people. Uh, And I'm hanging out with them already. It's amazing. Amazing. I want to back up a little bit if that's okay, Marcia. Because here's what, what I find sometimes when we talk about risk taking that people um, who are more afraid of taking risks or maybe have less experience with it, they get overwhelmed and and then they shut down. I can't take risks. You know, I'm, I'm not going to go play pickleball at age 60. They might say to just use kind of a silly example, or I'm not going to come out at whatever age I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, you don't have to, you know, just dive off a cliff without a parachute. Not talking yeah. about that, right? You, you start really small. It's really okay to grade over time. You know, it's, it's okay to just first, I don't know, <laughs> go look at pickleball equipment. I'm just trying to stay with the metaphor. I know it's it's pickleball um, explanation, but it's all, it's like, it's just one thing at a time. And I think it's, um, I, I was using the example with a client today in that I am all about, I love NLP and I, I am an NLP practitioner and I do a lot with subconscious reprogramming because it's responsible for 95 to 99% of our thoughts. And I said that I want you to think of it this way, that your foundation of your house is your subconscious mind. It's a big block of cement. It's had a lot of years to be a big block of cement. And so you can make a good decision today to shift your thinking for tomorrow or to try something new. But if you feel like you keep circling back and you're not making progress, it's because you're expecting it to change from one thing. And it's, it's, it's repetition that you have to like, keep putting yourself out there, keep being vulnerable, keep being open and collect that data. And then just keep going again. It is. And sometimes you get cracks in the foundation. Sometimes these things come through and all of a sudden you're creating this change, but it's not overnight. It's a practice that takes time. Yeah. So important. The consistency mm-hmm. and the support. And here's another thing, another trick that I, I work with clients on so often to really celebrate the tiniest little success. Cause that reinforces continuing to make, to take more risks. And it's so, so yeah, so tempting to say, Oh, I tried pickleball and I sucked at it the first time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wow. I showed up on the court that day. Mm-hmm. I tried something new and really focus on that. And maybe pickleball isn't your thing. It's okay. Whatever is your thing. <laughs> it's, all good. it's all good. It's a great, it's a great example. And it's, and I, and I love this conversation and I, I would love to know like what led you into like your also, let me just make sure I have this name. So like from trauma to triumph, that was something that you had mentioned in your notes a couple of times. I would love, because if you could dive into what that means, because the, the piece of trauma 
there's also this, um, how do I say this? There's this like relative when it comes to trauma, it's like in this comparison battle of, but mine's not as bad as hers. And, and I, I like to say with trauma, it doesn't matter what happened. If it's traumatic to you, correct. Then it, it doesn't matter. It's not, it's all relative. It's not, it's not a scale that theirs is worse than yours is better. And no. as soon as you do that, then you are like, negating your own feelings correct or minimizing correct minimizing. yes yeah. so i would yes. love it if you would talk about like from trauma to triumph and just however this lands however this opens up yeah so let me start with this so the my book here's the book this is the book full heart living mm-hmm. this came about from the unhappiest period of my own adult life i had my dream job i was going to retire there super attached loved to go to work every day until um, a new coworker showed up um, on the scene, I, uh, very small staff. We were assigned, you know, about 50% of my tasks were, I was, I had to cooperate with this person who hated the ground I walk, walked on. I was triggered. I didn't totally know it at the time. It took me a long time. Well, let me say this first. I ended up leaving the job. Uh, yeah, let me finish on that on that story. Then I'm going to come back. So in the midst of my depression, I noticed really happy people all around me. And that's how the book was born in a nutshell is because I got curious, asked questions. It snowballed into videotaped interviews and then into the book. Beautiful. What I realize now is that that coworker who was actually a bully and very passive aggressive was a trigger. She triggered me. Um, She reminded me of all kinds of um, events from my history, uh, including, so in junior high, even into high school, I was, um, to call it bullying would not begin to describe what I experienced. So just publicly humiliated um, regularly, Uh, like fag was written on my locker all the time. You know, I was called fag, you know, I mean, it was just humiliating. I wanted to disappear into, if I could have, I would have disappeared. Um, In addition to that, um, I I have a very mixed family. So great in so many ways. Uh, So loving and very stable financially and, um, you know, not divorced parents so many good things. And there was way too much alcohol use in my family. Uh, There was way too much rage, way too much anger, uh, way too much. um, Like the only way to really feel loved was to perform in certain ways. Cleanliness was a big one. And that wasn't just to be loved. That was to avoid those, the, the rage explosions. So if you keep the house clean, maybe mom won't, you know, call you a little you know, uh, profanity. Um, (laughs) so this combination of bullying in school and again, bullying isn't even the right term. It's really, that was abuse. I I was abused. Yeah. No, actually thank you for, yeah. Yeah. This is, that's, I I would agree. And, uh, such mixed messages in the family to have this coworker, uh, just show up in this kind of dreamland. Right. And, and it just, Rocked my no, no, in, in retrospect, I'm not sad it happened because again, no, you and I would not be here having this conversation right now. I'm convinced of that. 
right? Like the universe was the only way I was going to leave that job. Like something big had to rock my, an earthquake. I was attached to that job. I loved my job. It, it's, so it's led to all this other great stuff. But I was triggered. That's, that's a trauma reaction. I felt helpless. I felt I was really questioning my worth. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I wasn't good at my job. I, saw, I thought there was something wrong with me. So all these messages, same thing that I, it's, it's, as a child, it's the way we make sense of the world, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, our brains aren't fully developed. So if I were a better child, if I kept the house cleaner, you know, my mom wouldn't yell. She wouldn't call us names. Um, if I were just different, those kids wouldn't have done that crap to me. And so those beliefs go really deep. And I, I started having the same questions when this coworker shows up. You know, I'd always gotten along really well with coworkers. So what, God, I'm, I must be doing something really wrong here. I'm bad. All those thoughts show up. So that's the trauma. How do we get to triumph? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I do feel triumphant is the truth. It isn't easy. It's not, you don't just uh, snap your finger, but through a ton of work. So what have I done? I have done a ton of my own psychotherapy as a client. So I'm on the other side of the couch. Um, I have studied mindful self-compassion, right? Where we learn to love ourselves. I surround myself with people who I love and who love me back right? So that helps reprogram my brain. Mm -hmm. So which I'm sure is very similar to what the work you do in NLP. So do I do I constantly believe I'm, uh, you know, the greatest person on the world in the world? No, of course not. It it doesn't go to that extreme. It's like, I'm I accept I'm a human being, I make all kinds of mistakes every day, left and right. And I'm still lovable. Both are true. I'm a human being. And I'm lovable. I have worth. That's that's triumph right there. In addition to that, heck, I wrote a book. I got a book published. <laughs> that's triumphant. I created a, prod, a product that helps people. That makes me feel really good. This is this is this is great. You don't have to do great big things though. The, you know, even without a book or a product. Gosh, when I just spend time with my great nephews or great nieces or my nieces or or anybody I love, oh, this is a great moment. This, that's triumph, right? I'm, I'm living a really, really good life. I love my life. Mm-hmm. That's, that's triumph. That's, that is huge. Thank you so much for sharing openly and vulnerably because like, this is, this is, is so, such an important conversation. It really, really is. And I love how you've taken that and explained almost like that trigger came into your life on purpose because, and and I'm sure this is just to understand, like when that trigger comes up and it does for all of us, because we Mm -hmm. all have past stories or whatever that is. But if our reaction is like really um, rage filled or like it's explosive, then does that show that that is not actually healed? And that's something that we have to work through. Oh, sure. Don't you think so? Yes. Yeah, I do. I just kind of wasn't wanting to ask it as a question yes. too. You see, because people, um, I do get this question a lot and people's like, well, this person is constantly saying these things. And I'm like, okay, but your reaction is showing the meaning that you're giving that. Like you're, I'm not taking away from, yes, right. that person is incredibly mean. Yeah. And sometimes right. that's going to happen, but yeah. we also, I'm not justifying it. We never know mm-hmm. their story. 
Right. That might be how they treat everybody mm-hmm. in their life. And yes. it's just mm-hmm. taking it from that perspective. So it's that unhealed trauma mm-hmm. for so many people yes. can sit there and fester for a really long time. Oh, and as you yes. go back to like Glennon Doyle always talks about, we speak from our scars and not our yes. wounds. Yeah. I love those words, but I do believe as humans, I'm going to take it one step further. I do believe as humans that a lot of us have scarred over wounds. Mm-hmm. The wounds are there, but they're scarred over. So we think they're gone. And then all of a sudden something shows up and it triggers this response in us that we're like, what is this? Mm -hmm. But it's just that trauma that's still sitting there under the surface. And that reminds us. It's an opportunity. This, this is our, this is what, how I see it, Marcia, our insides get really creative. They find ways to communicate with us. It's just like, I, and I often say to clients, oh, knock on the door. My insides are, hello, Tom, hello. We got a message for you. Here's a, here's something you could be working on. Here's something you need to to do. Yeah. So, so our behavior shows us when there's something that still needs some attending. Mm. Yes. Like a wounded child inside me who, who was in a chaotic situation needs some soothing time. You know, I need. I need other people and I need myself to say, Tom, that's not you. That doesn't mean you were bad or wrong. Right. Your mom was, who knows? I have my own theories, of course, but she was out of balance in those moments. Mm-hmm. She didn't know. She was doing the best. She, the poor thing. She has her own trauma history or had. She's gone. She did the best she could. She was completely overwhelmed. She was out of her depth. Four children, you know running around. She, 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 did, she was great. She was a great mom in so many ways. And there were these moments that were terrible, uh, terrible, not okay. Not okay. We, I think we've grown up around the same, like we're in the same generation. Basically, mm-hmm. this way. And I can relate a lot to what you're saying now, in a sense, I did. I grew up with a great, like my parents are great. They're mm-hmm. still here. They're great. During that time in the Mm seventies, like it was things you did not talk about what you were feeling, thinking nothing, not like, and we joke about sweep it under the rug. Like, I mean, like we swept under the rug, you stomp on it, you pretend it's not there. Yes, exactly. Like everything was about pretending that it's not there. Yep. And Mm -hmm. that just puts such a fake mask, speaking of mask or armor, a fake on you. And so when you're but that's what they knew. That's how like that. I'm not, it's just what, that's what they knew. And that's how they grew. So when I'm in this space of sharing and openly talking, like I Mm -hmm. do you want to talk about rocking generational boats? Because I am like, let's openly talk about what we're feeling. And and a lot of my family's like, no, 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 don't do that. Yes. (laughs) Don't do that. But it's, it's more to protect thinking of, to protect me from being vulnerable and um, sharing. But it's interesting for anybody who's listening. I want you to think of it this way. Like the, the risk air quote risk has to be worth more than staying small and isolated. And that's how I, I check those balances. Yes. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know what else I want to bring up at this point, given what you're just saying, Marcia is, um, so we have the opportunity now to heal, right? We Because now in our generation, it is way more permissible. In fact, maybe almost too much to talk about the truth, right? So yes. sometimes it's too much, but yes. maybe, I don't know. Again, I don't mean to judge, but we don't just do it for ourselves. I used to think that we did it for ourselves and those who come after us. 
you know, our children and their children and so on. What Resma Manikin talks about, he wrote My Grandmother's Hands, this phenomenal book about racial oh, uh, I don't know trauma and healing. Okay. Oh my gosh, it's a phenomenal book. Grandmother's yeah. Hands, sorry? Yeah, My Grandmother's Hands. Okay. It's, it's really about, uh, well, so many things, but but one of the things I take from it is trauma in the body and healing it in the body, individually and collectively. But he talks about, we also do this healing for our ancestors. Like it goes forward and back and that, and they're saying, thank you. Right. Like all the, they, 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 they were working. They want, they want the next generation to be better To Everybody wants the next generation to be better. That that's pretty universal. Hmm. So, but they couldn't do it. They didn't, for whatever reason, they didn't have the education. They didn't have the opportunity. Now we do. So it's for our ancestors as well as those who come after us. I love that. I love that. It's it's healing. It goes backward and forward. Oh, that is. And now I'm just going to be vulnerable again, because I just, I love what you're saying. I, I guess I've never looked at it that way. And I think that that is absolutely beautiful. My grandmother, before she passed, um, she was very much like, like very rigid in how, but I loved her. I loved her personality and her, her fire. And I remember towards the end, like we were at this point, we struggled for a number of years with our kids and substance abuse. This is where this entire platform came from. And she said to me, I remember her saying to me, I know this can't be easy with what you're doing. Mm. I'm so proud of you for how you're handling this. And I'm thinking, this is my 88 year old grandmother who Like it's just, it had skipped in a sense in generation for that point, but she just said, you know, I'm so proud of you because you're making such a difference in all of their lives. And so it can, like we can change. And I think this is a, a piece we talk about, like, I'm I'm sure my kids are going to say things about the way I did things. Of course. Right. And that's the, that's the piece of it. We're not, none of us are perfect, but I think that we can, when we go first, we can help heal so many others too. Yes. Yes, exactly. Mm. So what does triumph look like? Like what does, and I just feel like asking this from like, what does, what would you define or how do you feel the word triumph in your life? What does that mean to you? I'm going to say, um, and I was trying to delineate earlier, like it doesn't have to be creating a product or a book. Like it doesn't have to be anything public or fame or money-making. Um, not that any of my stuff is money-making, trust me. Oh, I know. It's okay. <laughs> books are, you don't write books to make money, just so you guys I know. know. <laughs> no, not at all. It's living an authentic life. That's what comes to me, right? It's So what's, what's my truth? What's my authenticity? How do I live a life uh, that's in alignment with my values. How do how do I that that's really the biggest thing right there. I mean, fun. I, I guess fun is a value for me. It must be so. I'm because I'm, I also talked about you know the the joy of being in the presence of people I adore. Like that's a triumph to me. And, and, and to be able, I get okay. So I could say more. So so when we. Relationships were not always super easy for me, right? Given all that history, it's really tempting to stay away from people. People can really hurt you, right? Most of, not all, but most of the uh, the kids who were so horrible to me were boys. So I developed an association with boys and men. I was more afraid of boys and men, and I kept way more distance 
Well, that's, you know, just under 50% of the, of the population. And, 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 and to say, stay so far from boys and men, I, I was missing so much. Not, not to say I'm also cisgendered. I'm a guy myself. And what kind of message is that to myself to say, I can't trust myself or I need to, you know, right. It's so mixed up. So what a triumph that I have over time. And again, it isn't overnight. I don't snap my fingers. You don't wave a magic wand, but I recognize I woke up to that truth one day. Oh, I, I could be closer to men. I want to be closer to men. How can I do that? So again, it's not just that I dive in take all these. No, slowly over time. Oh, I'm going to start experiment with being more honest with guys. I'm going to see if there's guys who will talk to me on a similar level. You, Marsha, superficial talk is okay. I, I like some of it. It's great. You know, sometimes whatever. Talking about where to go for a restaurant and what's on TV. Fine. But I really love deeper conversations. There's a stereotype that men don't do that. Yes. All stereotypes do come from somewhere right? There's some truth to that. It's, but that's not at all a blanket statement. Oh my, I, I have incredibly rich conversations with all kinds of men mm-hmm. and guys, be, because I woke up to the fact that I was distancing and I started to take risks and my life is much, that's a triumph. That's a huge triumph. Relationships are built on honesty and vulnerability. Like we have touched on a little bit mm-hmm. here today. Um, It's not the only thing, but it's a really important factor, particularly in more intimate relationships, but really in all relationships, trust is extremely important. So I I had to to develop that, uh, particularly, but not only with men. And I I don't know, I I feel like I'm repeating myself. It's just a, a triumph that I... It's even a triumph just that I'm here, that I, that I survived. I mean, <laughs> that okay. alone. No, I love this. And I think that what you're doing, maybe not even realizing it, but if you're listening is first off, you've said it a few times so far mm-hmm. about being in a space of celebrating, like celebrating the wins, mm-hmm. celebrating, seeing what you're doing, your accomplishments, whatever, like just celebrating and being grateful from that space. Yeah. But triumph doesn't have to mean this like oh my gosh I like climbed the mountain and it was right. a massive. Right. We can have triumphs every day. Oh, yes. And I think yes. that is really powerful what you're saying is that mm-hmm. we can have triumphs mm-hmm. every single day. Yes. May I, you know I really feel called to tell you this. So, um in my um so I'm I'm writing another book, a second book on um resilience and trauma. Um, so in, uh, in my writing, of course, I, um, I'm exploring my own story. And so I did some research, uh, into who was really the worst childhood uh, tormentor of mine. I'm not going to say his name. He died by suicide. When I first learned that to be totally honest with you, I wasn't sad. I was like, Oh, good. You know, I was like, you know, screw you. That'll show you kind of, I mean, you know, I was still in a place of um, resentment, but later, more recently, I, I have thought things like this guy did never got to experience the birth of his nieces. For instance, I adore my, I have all nieces mm-hmm. uh, on my side of the family. He never got to experience the birth of his own child. 
he never got to experience, um, you know, having a dog as an adult and just, you know, I stare into the eyes of my dog. I, I have these wonderful moments. So, so these are of, of a petting my dog, right? These, like these everyday experiences, right? It's what you're saying. Like, like I'm grateful for it. I'm soaking it in. I'm in the moment. It doesn't have to be fame, fortune. It's like, oh my gosh, how about just tasting a mango? <laughs> oh my god! I just had a mango this morning. That was like really so good. I'm like, well, and it means winter here. Sorry, you just like totally squirrel brain for a second. You know, I had a taste of it. I'm like, oh, I miss ripe mangoes. Like, I, and I mean, this is not tropical because we're obviously not tropical here. But it's. I sat there and I'm like, I love mango. Like, yes. love it. It's so good. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. So I just think of all these moments that this guy who was awful to me. Mm-hmm didn't get to experience. Gosh. Gosh. And how much pain I'm not, it doesn't make it. None of it makes it better. How much pain does a person have to have in their life to treat others that way? Right. I know it's a really hard one because I'm not, there's no justifying what somebody does in that. But I sometimes look at people who are the most, like I, I was in, it was, this was um, probably halfway through the pandemic here. And I was in the store and this person is screaming at the coworker. And I'm thinking Mm -hmm. like, how bad does it have to be that that's your reaction? Like, it's just, it was just, it's almost embarrassing as a human, to be honest. I was just like, please don't, don't do that. Like, don't treat somebody this way, but where, where is their life at that? That is their normal Mm go-to behavior. And yes, sometimes yes. it just, it, it doesn't make it right. And I'm certainly not trying to make it right. No, I don't hear it that way. No, but it's, it's, we never know a person's story, right? We never, ever, ever know a person's story. Never, never. And there could be way more to their story where when we can look at it from different mm-hmm. eyes, it's like, yes. oh, okay, well, maybe this did actually make them into who they are. And Absolutely. as hard as it is, yes. everything you've come through like you said, you were in your dream job and all of a sudden it was like, no, this is not where I'm ending up, but I wouldn't even have this conversation. I wouldn't have right. my book. I wouldn't be right. on this path if that yes. bully hadn't walked into my life. Right. Well, that's the thing. So several things I want to say based on what you're saying. Yes. The, the gift of all this trauma I experienced is that it helps me be a good healer because I really get other people's trauma so viscerally so quickly mm-hmm. i get it and they know i get it not not that i always share my stories usually i don't no but they can feel it they feel it in my being they feel it in the way i respond they feel it in my compassion for them mm-hmm. i also want to talk about what you're saying here so yes it's super important to have compassion even for people who are are displaying behaviors that are even damaging that said, a couple, there's so much to say here. Um, so, so part of the reason these bullying experiences were so hard for me when I was younger is that I wasn't taught how to stand up for myself. Several, several pieces. Part of that was the chaos in the household. We weren't taught how to say no to, to bad behavior. That was not modeled, right? Somebody needed to say no to my mom. Nobody did because everyone was afraid of her. So I didn't learn that. 
I didn't learn to stand up for myself in school. I didn't know I could have gone to school administrators and say, hey, these guys, these people are just doing this crap to me. They might have helped. Maybe not, but I think they might have. It's at least possible. And I might have felt even 10% better having tried. I don't know. Um, so, so we don't want to jump over. So, so you heard me say, when I first learned of, of the death by suicide of this tormentor of mine, I was not compassionate at first. I, that was not where I was. I was still resentful. And I was kind of like, good for you. I was kind of glad. That's total, I feel a little embarrassed, but that's truth. That's just where I was psychologically. I wasn't uh, evolved enough. Now I have more compassion for him. Um, um, but we don't want to skip that resentment. We don't want to just... Because that's what I was doing earlier. I wasn't standing up for myself first. I, all I knew was to turn the other cheek. There is a time to turn the other cheek, right? That is a great classic religious teaching. Turn the other cheek, yes. You can only do that without damaging yourself, though I have since learned from a place of strength, right? So someone, you turn the other cheek because I know it's not about me. If I still think it's about me, then it can be damaging to me to turn the other cheek, right? If it can be more helpful to me to say, stop, no, that behavior is not okay. And in fact, there is also a place to do that, right? When people are damaging other people or the environment or animals on and on and on, it's appropriate to say, no, stop, that behavior is not acceptable. Now that's still, I'm not, that, that doesn't discount compassion. I can both be a compassionate person and set limits with inappropriate behavior. Both are important. And in fact, the first, you know, just allowing bad behavior is what we call idiot compassion, right? Isn't that a great term? Sorry, idiot. I'm just like, I can just, I already can see it in my own life, but yeah. idiot compassion. Idiot. Compassion. Okay. Break is it down just what it is for me. Allowing people to do things that are not okay. Like, like, oh, you poor thing. Well, you know, you you're you're so stressed because of the pandemic. Of course, you're gonna yell at your coworker in the grocery store in front of everybody. Oh, we feel so bad for you. Okay, just keep doing whatever you're doing. No, stop yelling at people in the grocery store. Knock yeah. it off. Now even, even get strong and raise your voice. Knock it off. Not okay. You may not do that. That is damaging everyone around you. Stop it. Also, let's bring you to someone who can help you. What do you need here? I'm something's going on. Right? It's it's also compassionate, also attending to the person, also protecting everyone around you. Everybody matters. Everybody matters. That's the um, ecology. One of the very number one things we talk about in NLP is like the ecology. Is it good for you, for them, for us? Like, is yes. it good for all? And we can approach um, problems from that standpoint, right? Like, is that it actually, we all matter. Yes. We all matter. Um, oh my gosh. There's so many things that you've said. I love, I just want to touch and make sure that I say this or that yeah. I can reiterate this one piece is like, allow yourself to feel that first and not yes. judge it. So yes. if you jump immediately into like that piece of healing is very important. And that mm -hmm. piece of awareness is very important first, because we also don't want a toxic positivity, right? We don't want no. a 
Right. No. So I just would love if you wouldn't mind touching on like one piece of, cause that is, I don't know if that's a new term now, it's not a new thing, but it's certainly, you hear a lot of it. Toxic positivity. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's that Pollyannish thing, right? Okay. Everything's fine. I'm just going to go along. I'm always happy. Mm-hmm. You know, la 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 land denying. Okay. No, no, not everything is perfect right now. There are some things that need attending to, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Acknowledging that's full heart living, acknowledging the truth, the fullness, the wholeness. Yeah. Some things need attending to, and it's a great life. Both are true. Both are true. So toxic positivity is going into that. It's not full heart living, suppress, 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 deny, 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 Yeah. just stay positive all the time. Just be optimistic. No, I'm not always optimistic. Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, another day. I don't know if I can do this anymore. That's human. Sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we get a little overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That, so the, and this is what mindfulness has taught me to open up to it, to go, oh, yeah, I'm having a moment where I'm really discouraged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, life isn't looking so good right now. What's going on? Did, did I not skip breakfast? Did I not get enough sleep last night? Have I not had enough introvert time? Oh, maybe my insides, again, knock, knock, knock at the door. Our insides get really creative of ways to tell us what, hey, something's out of balance. I need something. Okay, go meditate for an hour if that's what you need. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or cancel a meeting. Because you're you you got too much. <laughs> Get no, creative. This is so good. It's so good because I love how you talk about the insides knocking. And one of the things I like to say to share is like when those insides knock, sometimes they like knock, knock, they whisper, they knock, they knock, and then eventually they'll smack you right upside the head. I've been like trying to get your attention for weeks now. This is not working what you're doing. And so sometimes instead, like, yes, we have waves where our demands are higher, but I will stop and think, okay, let's do an inventory. What am I doing now? That's not working. Where do I need more self-care? Where do I need? And there've been two days since beginning of January, nothing was overtly wrong, but I actually Mm -hmm. canceled clients and I canceled podcasts. I just didn't have it. I didn't have it. And I knew that the old me would have never done that. Let me just tell you in a million years, I would have never done that. This me was like, okay, I know I don't have it to give, which means as soon as I go into that environment, I'm more susceptible to taking things on. I'm not going to be as good as what I want to be. Right. And it actually, it's been interesting because it gives others permission to do the same too. Right. Yeah, it's like, exactly. That's nothing. out. So we're like, again, that compassion piece, if we can do that more with ourselves, yes, we then change the relationships that we also are connected with by treating ourselves better. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Oh, that, that, that reminds me just a quick example. Similar. I'll never forget. This was decades ago, a colleague telling me who she loved when her therapist would go on vacation <laughs> because it was good role modeling. Oh, my therapist takes care of herself. Oh, maybe I can go on vacation when I need to. (laughs) Even though there's people who really need Mm -hmm. to be in therapy, maybe they could use it every week or a couple times a week. Huh. Her therapist took a break. Wow. (laughs) I love this. Oh, so good. And those are all triumphs. Those are all triumphs for everybody who's listening. So you can create triumphs in your everyday life. Like you absolutely can. Every every, simple wins. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where, where do you like, where can people connect with you the most? I know you have your book and your cards. They yeah. are available on Amazon. All your links will be available, but where, yes. where do you, are you most available? I, the easiest way is fullheartliving.com. 
yeah, there's a contact page. There are direct links, so you can really easily buy the book or the conversation sparks. I, I'm told yeah, they're both available on Amazon, but I'm told sometimes people have trouble finding the conversation sparks mm-hmm. through the search engine for whatever reason. But there, so there's a direct link right on my website, and there's um, uh, videos. The videos that the book was based on uh, are available for free. There's even a free workbook on the website. Uh, based on the book. There's 20 chapters in the book, by the way. Uh, the, the main things I learned is that happier people connect with themselves, other people, uh, and their passions, particularly in the service of others. But, but there's a bunch of other chapters too, like gratitude, like self-care, like living in alignment with your values, mm-hmm. taking risks. That's awesome. I love, I love all that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I will make sure it's all available um, in the show notes. I have loved this conversation and it's been, um, it's been good because I like it when people put me in the spot too. So it's, it's, it is, it's a great way. Well, well, thank you for being willing, Marcia. That was, that's, that's vulnerability. That's risk-taking. That was, yeah. And look, it was so rich. I loved hearing what you had to say. Wow. Oh, I, I loved it too. And I mean, again, being vulnerable, you, you asked, was one of the very first questions. If you're just listening now, it was one of the very first things that you said when you came on the podcast. I'm like, sure, why not? Let's do it. So <laughs> it can really open up some incredible doors and in conversation. So I truly thank you for being here and for connecting and sharing so much with the audience. I do have one question left for you mm-hmm. and it is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? Show up, show up, just show up, mm. keep showing up, mm-hmm. keep showing up. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. It's yes. a good reminder for anybody who's listening. It's consistency. We're back to consistency again. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Marcia, cool. thank you for this opportunity. I've really loved our conversation. Oh, my pleasure. It's been great to get. It's this been a great conversation. Very, very thought-provoking conversation. I'm I love so it. Glad. Thank right. you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.